This is Five and Nine. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 6. My favorite time in the desert is when the sun descends. What appears to be the onset of darkness is just the beginning of a new kind of light. With less moisture in the air to form clouds and little in the way of light pollution, the stars shine brilliantly, the same way they were seen by our ancestors since the first day we could look up and feel their energy. In the tarot, the star card symbolizes the nourishment of intuition and embracing of mystery after a time of turmoil. In the Rider Waite Smith's depiction, a nude feminine figure kneels by a stream, pouring out water back into the stream and onto the land. All assumptions, all armor have been stripped, and what's left is a deep sense of calm. In this mini-sode, one of many studios, Brit Pham and Norba Tyna, interview me about the stars, the passage of time, and the meaning of work today. In this time of deep suffering and chaos, I wish you the certainty that the stars provide, swirling, steady, and sustaining, all at once. This is Brit Pham. I'm here with my partner. Noor, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. This is Noor. And we're here to interview Anna AX Mina, your glorious host of the Five and Nine podcast season four. Anna, thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you, Brit and Noor, for being here. Since doing Five and Nine, I've always been the interviewer and not the interviewee. And so thank you for this opportunity. I'm very nervous. <laughs> You can't see me right now, but I'm smiling like way bigger than I've smiled in a very long time. <laughs> um, we wanted to start by asking you to introduce yourself with the labels that have been given to you over the course of your life. Maybe I can start with some of the recent ones and see how far back I can go. Uh, one is a coach, one is mentor, one is author. Those are kind of recent labels that I've kind of lived with. Other ones that are outside of work is someone who wanders, itinerant, explorer type, going back further, artist. There have been huge times in my life when I just haven't felt like I could claim the label of, of artist. I felt that I wasn't producing any interesting art. It wasn't just wasn't a part of me. But then in the context of the residency, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah I'm doing I'm doing art. This is like a, a type of art practice. After the residency was over, I came back to the way I engage with the art world as, as a writer. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm an arts writer again. And I'm not really producing any art right now. And so sometimes it's, for me, it's, sometimes it's like the label, it's like an outfit I put on for a little bit and it, it fits for a while, then it doesn't fit. That way of kind of seeing labels as like jackets that you put on and off. And I think one thing about the residency that was very true with all the artists and residents that were part of the experience this year is that everyone is very much a multi-hyphenated person. I love this image of jackets. There was a time in my life I was just always wearing black blazers. And then during the pandemic, that kind of changed into hoodies, maybe sometimes denim jackets. When I was in the desert, I think it was, I was wearing denim, a denim jacket whenever um, I needed like some sun cover, or I was just like throwing a blanket over me. And I feel like jackets, they literally have this like quality that they, they set the tone for what you're doing. I think five and nine became this way for me to, personally for me, to explore this other sides of myself, maybe my spirituality, my interests in, in tarot, magical practice meditation. But I think what's becoming more clear for me is that a lot of my current work, a lot of the things that really are driving me, well, one is coaching, uh, working with people to either help them figure out what they're working on, uh, what are their values, um, how they want to spend their time. Um, or once they figure that out, how to execute on that, how to build that, what does it mean to actually build up a different type of life? And at the same time, thinking about the future, 
Where is the future going? Where are we going as a society? There's so much uncertainty. And so how do we navigate that? There's a lot of wisdom um, from our ancestors. There's a lot of wisdom in the earth, wisdom in our bodies that is not typically respected or prioritized in current society. That's really exciting. I, um, how does it feel for you? Like, how are you feeling about it? Well, I'm, I'm glad I have a meditation. <laughs> it's, um, there's this wonderful book, um, Pema Chodron, right? Comfortable with Uncertainty. One thing for me about that I've learned, and both for myself and just like working with people in transitional states is you just have to be comfortable with uncertainty. We had a, a guest in season one, Indira Allegra, who talked about how when you experience loss, when you experience change, you might be part of one constellation, but you only know who you are based on that constellation, based on like how you map onto that world. And when that goes away, you have to work on the new constellation, the new orbit. And that image has sat with me ever since we did that interview, because I feel like this, these past couple years, certainly since the pandemic, I've been trying to figure out what is my new constellation. When we think about labels, when we think about identities, I, I firmly believe that it's not just about what the individual says about oneself, but I think it was phrased in your question, what are labels that have been given to you? Part of how we come to know and identify ourselves is through the constellations that surround us. It's kind of that social proof about who you are in this moment in time. Man, so much of what you said resonates so deeply on it. And I think, well, for a lot of people considering how much we've all been through over the past couple years. I want to ask you a little bit about your journey with magic because you've started to bring it up a little bit. And I'm realizing that I don't actually know too much about your relationship with magic, where it started. Um, would you mind giving us a little bit of a, a little bit of a primer on your relationship and story with magic? Magic is such a, it's such a slippery word. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, sort of like art, um, like what is art, right? So there's magic as performance, right? On stage, doing the thing. There's a lot of elements of distraction, of illusion. There's magic as inspiration. We say this colloquially, wow, that was magical. This was wonderful. You can have a magical dinner, um, a magical gathering. You can see a magical piece of art and just be inspired. And then there's magic as spirituality. Maybe it's like naming a spell, or kind of speaking to one's spirit guides. These are broadly kind of put into the umbrella of magic. Um, some people think of astrology as a type of magic, kind of looking at the planets and how they move and how that then influences and shapes our realities. And part of this is like, okay, in what sense is this? are these all connected? Um, and some of that is that it, these are all things where the forces that are shaping the universe and shaping us are not visible to the senses. And so for me, I, I kind of dabbled with all these types of magic, especially during the pandemic. Spent a lot of time camping, spent a lot of time out in the woods, in the deserts, and just sitting there and be like, this is magical. Like just looking out on these vistas, watching the sunrise, and honestly, just like sitting in the quiet, surrounded by trees, while fully recognizing there's a lot of abuse, there's been a lot of confusion, a lot of um, harm under the, the realm of magic. But at the same time, I feel like if we can start to think about how we intertwine magical practice with modern life, think about new ways of doing this that are wrapped up in justice and equality and fairness in kind of the concerns of today. Sciences give us the how, but magic might help us answer some of the why and what for. Do we even need to be doing this? Or are there other ways we can be approaching our relationship to the world, to people and to society? I'm curious if you can kind of 
pinpoint a moment or share or recall an experience where that foundational connection to magic in the way that we are in this moment came to be for you? During lockdown, I, I remember I kind of got into astronomy and I kind of developed this hobby and I had these uh, binoculars and I, I was following the Jupiter and Saturn conjunct uh, for a while. It happened in 2020. And for a while, I was just watching Jupiter and Saturn. They were just kind of dancing around each other in, in my backyard. There are some of the few planets that one could one could observe. And I pointed my binoculars at Jupiter and I saw these like little dots and flares. I was like, oh gosh, I need to claim my binoculars. But then I looked it up. I was like, oh wait, those are, those are the moons. Those are the moons of Jupiter. There are four moons that are visible, same moons that Galileo observed uh, many years ago. And I was like, Jupiter has been over my head for almost 40 years. And I did not know that. And it was just this moment of pause of like, there's so much more to learn about this world. There's so much more to learn about the universe, about the things I'm interested in. And I felt like, okay, it's time to change. I need to go on a new path. Wow. I remember very clearly that Jupiter-Saturn moment during COVID where it was kind of literally and figuratively one of the bright spots in our days and nights. Yes. And I remember everyone on the internet was talking about it and we you just go out every night and try to find them. And it was such a nice little moment uh, during such a dark time for so many of us. These are stories that have been with our ancestors for so long. These are planets and pieces of the earth that have been around way before us and will be around way after us. And the magic is in the remembrance of these stories and these materials and concepts and figures in our lives. And I really love that that reminder that everything we need is already there. It's just about remembering and integrating them with our lives now. I also want to ask you a little bit about work as well, because this is a podcast about magic and work and economic justice. And as we're talking about really like catalyzing moments for you. I'm thinking about this term you you used when we were preparing for this episode, which is the overachiever to anti-capitalist pipeline, <laughs> yeah. which I am now going to be using to describe myself. <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious, where do you feel you are in that pipeline and that journey at the moment? It's such a common theme, especially the millennials in my life who are kind of rethinking the story of overachieving. I think a lot about kind of history of, of labor of relationships, right? So much of our you know, lives is, is around work. What do we contribute to society? In a capitalist context, this is often, um, this is often problematic. The, those who work the hardest and contribute the most often receive the least in terms of, of wealth, in terms of opportunity. And I think during the pandemic, this became especially clear. Why was everyone working this hard? Very simple example right now, the re-questioning is the simple fact of the five-day work week. Why not a four-day work week? Um, and when you dig back, like, why do we even have a weekend, right? Why does that exist? Um, it only exists in the past few hundred years, um, this idea of a two-day weekend, um, which means it's not a universal human experience. And the reason the weekend had to exist, had to be created, was because of a transition from the agrarian society to a more industrialized society. And so how do we build a world in which we are contributing meaningfully to each other, to society, to equity, to material uh, changes in life that really support the full human person. 
that requires work. That's going to require time and thinking and labor to make that world. But at the same time, it can't look like it has before where we have the society um, that burns itself out, where labor is unequally valued and rewarded. I just wanted to share that in Aramaic Arabic, the first day of the week is technically Sunday, but in it is called mm-hmm. one, like literally Ahad, which comes from the number one, mm-hmm. Wahad, and then Tinin is the second day of the week, two, three, mm-hmm. four, and then five. So like five days that follow the numerical system. And then the sixth day okay. is Juma, which is a Friday. And Juma comes from mm-hmm. Jama'a, which is gather together when we come together. So the Friday mm-hmm. is the day of gathering. And Saturday, Sept, comes from Sabbat, which means stillness. So it's like before you enter the week with one, two, three, four, five, there's that day of stillness and giving yourself the space for stillness, you know, it, but it's preceded by the day of gathering and coming together in community. So I wonder just like how far back have has humanity been intentionally and not just gathering, but like organizing themselves around these rituals and ancient ways of knowing that we need community and also we need our moment to be still. It reminds me of um, uh, that we retain this in English, this sense of days being magical. Monday is the moon day. Sunday is the day of the sun. In Spanish, it's more obvious. And uh, Tuesday uh, is the day of Mars, right? And so on and so forth. Wednesday, the day of Mercury. You know, business cycles are quarterly. They, they move by the seasons, Q1, Q2, Q3, and monthly, roughly by the rotations of the moon, like obviously a little off because we're using the solar system. A lot of the way we talk temporarily has within it the kind of roots of magic. So it is baked into our language in surprising ways once you actually like start poking around and start looking into kind of contemporary life that the magic, it's still there, even as we've been told to forget it. Yes. And going far beyond the last 3,000 years, we know that um, the Mesopotamian civilization uh, was where the 12-month calendar based on the moon cycles was really invented. And so was so so much of the earliest roots of astronomy as we know it today, right? And mathematics, you know, and we talk about this so much, but there's also so much erasure of ancient civilizations and we don't really fully know what, but from what we do know that they were using moon cycle calendars, which is quite right. fascinating. That's you know, right. humans have always organized themselves <laughs> with the stars um, and and they knew so they also they still do and I feel like there's so much that they knew too that we we've lost um, that we are coming back to it feels like in some ways and by coming back is is then what is the opportunity now in this new world to understand these practices and what does that look like now I'm a big fan of Aja Monet she's an incredible poet that I got the privilege of doing a poetry class with her in 2020 and I've been following her journey and her she just released an album that's incredible oh, wow. that I, I got to see her oh we got to see her oh my god together Anna you were there mm-hmm. we did um yeah do you remember how she talked about how magic is powerful because it isn't visible mm-hmm. because you don't know mm-hmm. when it when it's going to come and I just wanted to to name that and share that as even the fact that we are having this conversation and all the things that needed to happen for the three of us to align, for you to make it to the residency, for so many things, like that's magic too. There's this beautiful Buddhist story of the turtle in the lake. You imagine you're, you're in a foggy lake out in the woods and you toss a life preserver into the water. It's just sitting there and then at some point a turtle pops its head out just for a moment in that exact life preserver. How special that is, how rare that is. Uh, and it's this, this concept of precious birth, the act of being alive. Uh, and especially when you when you look at the whole universe, you know, these incredible 
telescope images, yeah, of how vast it is that the fact that we're even alive in this moment and that we're three turtles popping our heads up just happen to be at the same time through this one life preserver in this one moment in history. It's more than precious birth, it's precious meeting, uh, precious collaboration, precious moment and opportunity. So what do we do? What do we do with this gift, this magic, this opportunity, this space? Love it. <laughs> I love that imagery. <laughs> Episode title, The Turtles and the Stars. <laughs> nice. Five and Nine is an independent podcast at the crossroads of magic, work, and economic justice. The music was recorded live and performed by Hashin Bin Muatik. Find us at thisis5and9.com, on Apple, Spotify, Google, and anywhere you listen to podcasts.